Put your hands together and welcome your very own Dunstable Town Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Talk of the Town Podcast. I, as always, am your host Andy Burrows and today I'm joined by Dunstable Town's very own Mr Lee Cowley. Lee how are you, sir? We sit here after the 3-2 loss to Tring, but how are you, my friend? Yeah, thanks for the invitation, Andy. Uh, I've been quite, I've listened to all the podcasts that have gone on so far, and um, obviously following uh, after Barry is going to be a big ask, <laughs> uh, which, I, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, it was so much humour, so much factual in it, so much about uh, Dunstable Town from the early days, which was uh, great insight. Uh, hopefully, I can um, give people a little bit of humour, give, give people a little bit of uh, insight to where we are now, in, insight into when I was um, self-personal manager um, going back 10 or 15 years ago, so we can discuss all that. So what I've done is I've had a shower, clean my teeth, <laughs> polish my boots, buckle it up, ready to go. Yeah, polish your boots, mate. You might get a game soon. Yeah, um... well... <laughs> you know, he's not going to hold up to that. Like, uh, if it was a Vets game, I'm pretty sure I could get yeah, walking football. Walk oh, yeah. Well, God, I tried that once, mate. That didn't go well. But, um, Lee, we're sitting here. Obviously, we went 3 2 down to Tring. And I think it's only fair to open the episode. I mean, a lot has been said about Dunstable Town and what we're doing at the minute. But I'd, full credit to Tring yesterday. I mean, we're going to get into the Dunstable Town side of it. But I, I didn't touch on it really on the on the post-game interview with Joe after the game yesterday. I thought Tring played very well. I just wanted to give full credit to them. Wish them well in the next round. I thought they, you know, they had a game plan. They stuck to it. And uh, they played they played very well. And I, I, it pains me to say it, but as being a Dunstable Town fan, but I think they fully deserved that win. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely wish them Wish them, wish them well in the next round. But Lee, obviously, three-two at home yesterday to Tring. Again, kind of dug ourselves into a hole, uh, being two-nil down at half-time. Uh, I spoke to Joe, uh, obviously in the post-match interview, and it's probably the first time where I've where I've interviewed him really, and I've walked away after it thinking, I don't. He wasn't not doubting doubting himself. Is probably the wrong one word. But he said in his interview, he said, "Look, it's one of three things. Either I'm not very good, which I don't. You know, he said, look, that's not possible. The players just aren't doing what's asked of them, or it's something else kind of thing.' I mean, look, Joe's a fantastic manager, but for me, it was just the first time I've ever walked away with an interview of Joe saying, "Geez, if it's kind of getting to him." And I know it's getting to us. I mean, I sit here and talk about it weekly. I sit to I talk to Dunstable fans all the time. I mean, what did you make of the game yesterday? I mean, because obviously, you know, we kind of gave ourselves a hole again to dig out of. And we seem to be doing that quite a lot recently. And it's all well and good fans saying, well, you know, the second half, we turned it around and we come back and we tried. Football's 90 minutes. You can't play as bad as we did for the first 45 minutes and expect to win many games of football. I mean, what did you think about it, Lee? Um... Well, similar, similar to you, really, but um, they had the outstanding player for me on the pitch, was, uh, which was the, uh, the lad who was number 17, which was Leon, Leo Perouche. I thought he was excellent. I mean, he took an early booking and recovered from that. And when you take early bookings as a young player, you can actually get yourself in a bit of trouble. But he, he dealt with that situation. I mean, when he got on the ball, 1v1 situation, carried the ball. I was, um, if I'm honest, quite impressed with him. Tring probably um, when we last, I mean, that's the fourth time we played them uh, this season, t- twice in a cup. And to, and probably this is the most 
um, direct, most unfluent I've seen them. I think in other in previous games, uh, they've been more fluent. They've tried to pass through the thirds a lot more, and, and it's probably the first time I've seen a little different side of, side to them. And, and fair credit to them, it, it it worked against us, and we didn't deal with it situations as well as I was hoping to. Um, as uh, and some of the players made some really, really stupid decisions within the game. And we keep seem to be making the same decisions at the same sort of important moments in the game. And, and, and we're the ones getting punished and we're not punishing the opposition when they do make the mistake. And that's just the fact of the way it is. Getting back to your point um, uh, concerning Joe, yeah, I think I think he is really down. I think how much effort, how much work he puts in to try and get the right things done on on match days is to a, a level above what we we see in uh, step five, um, and I think is is questioning now the players, and I think some of the players are now if we want to continue to move and go forward, have now got to stand up and start performing in, in, in these games. And straight away, the first thing that happens after the game against um, Dream, we've got a real difficult game against uh, Bigwood's Wage United again on. On Saturday, which if they don't perform well in that, we could then take another step back within the league, which is a real disappointment, really. Considering about where we were in the early part of the season, where we weren't shipping goals, where we weren't maybe not playing or trying to play as expansive as what we are now, um, we were scoring more. We were getting get ourselves in better positions, um, being able to play properly. Um, look, the game for me is, I, I think, teams like Man City, uh, the big teams, everyone wants to copy. Barcelona, we're all trying to copy them. We, we ain't good enough to do that. The players are not in that position. That's why they're step five. So they've got to realise when they play the game, they've got to do the right things. And what wins games is not conceding goals and scoring goals. And what you do in between is really, really, at times, completely, completely irrelevant. Because it's if you can see goals when we have and get yourself two 0 down, then you've got a mountain to climb. And at the moment, we're not able to climb that mountain. If anything, we're falling over. Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you put it down to? Obviously, you know, you know what I mean. It's it's not through fault in effort. And like you say, I mean, like it's when I chatted to Joe afterwards. I mean, I've been a coach at step five, step four, step six, and you know, there's only so much you can do. You can do all the tactics you want. You can do everything under the sun. But when these players cross the white line, it's up to them to cut out individual mistakes. And I, I, I briefly spoke to Harry Beaumont after the game yesterday. He made a good point. We could have been one nil down after 15 seconds of that game. They were yeah. in behind us straight away. And straight away, we've all looked at each other and gone, oh God, please no. You know what I mean? So alarm bells are ringing for us. And even though I spoke to Harry and he was very honest, he was like, after 15 seconds, we're thinking, hang on a minute, this this ain't right. I mean, what do you put it down to as, as players? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not here to bad mouth anyone or you know not I'd never ever do that you know what I mean but you know I've played the game I've watched enough and non-league football to know that something has got to change and is it just a case of being old school like Joe says fronting up growing a pair of cojones as he says in his interview afterwards and and them turning it around because as a management team you can only do so much right oh, 100% um, but the, the game if you look at the, the FA model of, of the game it, it's broken into four corners the four corner model is Physical, technical, tactical, psychological. And at the moment, the, the one bit that we are lacking at the moment is is probably the psychological corner. We, we're not making the right decisions in the game. We're not keeping ourselves in the game by being pragmatic. We, we, we're doing things, dumb things within it that's killing us. 
and you can't get away high from that. You can't get away from that. It's it's quite obvious that's what's happening, and it's and that's a massive disappointment because if you look at a lot of the players we got in that group, the three other boxes we're quite high on, and at the moment the one box that we seem to be a little bit low on is, is is the psychological corner. We keep making the same mistake time again, time again. Um, I mean, I mentioned it to the players yesterday, really. Um, when I had a conversation with them, again, I'm looking at those. If, if you had a fire in front of you and you put your hand in the fire, yeah, and you took your hand out, would you put your hand back into the fire? And the obvious answer is you wouldn't. So why do we keep making the same mistake? And they've got to learn from that. And they've got to learn quickly because if they don't, you know, we, we, we're going to be mid-table. And we don't want to be mid-table. We, the group wants to be up the committee wants to be up the top. Everyone wants the players, the management team, everyone wants to be up near the top end of the season, but you know, top end of the table by the end of the season. We don't want to be floating along in, in, in mediocrity, if you like, because that's not where, what we're about. And that certainly ain't what Joe recruited these players to be mid-table. Mm. How do you transition from that? The, one of the main things I found when I was coaching, and I, I didn't I only stopped a few seasons ago, how hard is it to transition from the saying it and getting the players to do it on the pitch? Because like I just said, there is only so much you can do as, as a coaching team, like you, um, Joe, Jammers, Dirks, everyone, Anthony, all the guys in involved on the coaching team. Is it just a case of like on Thursday nights, helping these young guys. And I mean, I'm not using their age as an excuse for, for mistakes, but you know, you've got Rory, you've got Jardel at the back, you know, still young guys, but they proved to us many times that they are capable of doing it. Is it just a case of doing the right things at the right time and cutting out basic errors? Well, it's what, what I just alluded to. Decision-making, that comes under the psychological corner. You can give them all the tools, you can coach them and say what your things, but one, that split second when they're under pressure, when, when they're in the heat at the moment, they've got to make the right decision. And sometimes you've got to realise it, it just, just smash it. You know, the, the old um, advert that Peter Kay was in when he goes, have it. Like, but every now and again, why why can't we just have it? Why do we, why do we have to be so fluent? Why do we have to pass through the thirds? We don't have to. You know, what we've got to do is stop them from scoring and try and outscore the opposition. And at the moment, we're not doing that. We're conceding and not scoring enough. And But the problem is, because we're conceding too many, it means we've got to do much better harder and do much better at the top end of the pitch. And that's the hardest part to do it, because every time we concede like that, look, 2-0 down, we give them something to hold on to. We give them something to cling on to. And, and we had to work so, so hard just to get one goal. And then we go and give another stupid goal away. And then we've now got another mountain to climb. And each time you're climbing that mountain, there's, 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 there's some, some, some point in your life you ain't going to get to the top. And we're not getting to the top at the moment, which is a real disappointment. Yeah, I mean, obviously yesterday, I mean, some, some of the good things is we had we had Davo back. I mean, I know he got man in a match, uh, you know, so we have got, we've got Ethan to come back. Um, again, I thought Tolu, when he dropped in at left back, looked very good. But again, when you're having to make them kind of tactical decisions, I mean, you look at the start of the game to the finish of the game. Alfie's a fantastic centre-back, really like him at centre-back, but you lose so much having him not in that middle of the park. I mean... He gives us so much. For me personally, just me personally, just as a fan sitting in, you know, I'm not speaking now as someone that's hosting the Dunstable Town podcast. I think he gives us so much in that centre of midfield. Obviously, you're still missing players like Curly, You're missing players like Ethan, you know. So slowly, once you get these guys back, 
that's going to help us so so much because I can't I don't think I can stress enough like I say I've coached Lee you've been involved in it so many years having these experienced players on the field I mean just having Davo back yesterday you could tell helped a little bit because when we went two down I was kind of looking around you know and you've got players like Alfie and Davo trying to help these young guys and get them through this game and like they probably in their Dunstable careers so far, they probably haven't experienced this. You know, we're on a we're on a bad run, and you and you're looking around now for characters, and you do really need people like Alfie, Dave, Creeley coming back, and uh, you know, I think that is going to be such a huge difference to this team moving forward, especially this weekend. Uh, yeah, well, that's quite not no disrespect, Andy. That's quite obvious what's got to happen because of, because of the situation we're in, but like. You can't keep blaming immaturity for bad decisions. At some point, I mean, we've got an 18-year-old playing in the England side at the moment. And the reason why he's playing in the England side is because he makes better decisions throughout the game. And he's got loads and loads of ability. And we've got lots of ability in our group. But at the moment, they're immature in their, in their decision-making. And their decision-making's got to change. Because if it won't, if it doesn't change, we're going to continue with on, on, on a run that's going to be, that might just peter out into a... a a poor season for us, and nobody wants that. We want to be at the top end. That's why the players we brought in have been brought in um, from from Joe's recruitment. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, the, the shining light at the moment is Tolu. I mean, oh, tremendous! Uh, the amount the amount of problems he's causing teams every week is is on a, on a, on another level. But having having said that, we recruited, I think, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Um, I think we, I think that. We're now recruiting other players, more mature players, and I, and I think they need to, they need to listen to the mature players and the older players need to take control of the younger players, and I'm sure if they can do that, because what you have got to realise as 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 the crowds sort of grow within the football club, it's, it becomes more difficult to get messages across the pitch. So the, the senior players in it and the um, like Alfie and people like that have got to take take control of the people around it, and I'm sure they try to, but the younger players have got to listen to the older players and, and have confidence in what they get told. And and that's the way why you learn things in life. When you're young, listen to the older people because they're the people with the experience. They're the people with the knowledge. You haven't got the knowledge and you haven't got the experience. You just make sure you listen to them. Mm. What do you do as a coaching team now, Lee? Obviously, you know, I know for a fact that Joe's probably watched that game back about three or four times. Obviously, you guys are going to be training on Thursday. Like I said a minute ago, Lee, you've been involved in the game long enough, you know, not teaching any of you guys how to suck eggs. But what do you do as a coaching team now when you're getting a kind of run like this and you know a lot of eyes are on you and a lot of people have got opinions? What do you do as a coaching team? It's like I say, when I spoke to Joe after the game yesterday, it was kind of a different Joe Dini interview. There's still the fight. There's still the passion there, but... Probably the first time where I thought, hang on a minute, our players really. Joe's always help. He's always tr digging them out of holes. It's now a time, and I. It's the first time I've even walked away from it. thinking this is now the lads. Joe needs the lads now. He needs these boys to really step up to the mark now, and he's backing them to the hill, which any manager does. I've done it. You've done it, Lee. But from your point of view, what is it now that you, as a coaching team, you can do? Because like you say. Once players are across the right line and they're making individual mistakes, it, it's difficult for you guys because you can only do so much. But moving forward this week, looking forward to Biggles Way on Saturday, how is this week now for you guys as a coaching team? Well, we've already, we've already sat down and had a deep brief as a group. Um, uh, and then me, Dirks, and uh, Joe went and had a, another little drink down the road and had a quick discussion about 
in more more depth in where we think we are as uh, a group and as a team. Uh, I think what the, the obvious thing is now we've got to make sure that these players now uh, understand there's um, non-negotiables, if you like. Certain areas of the pitch, the red areas, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a little bit more uh, directness in, in, in our approach. And I think there's um, just cut out grey areas. Just start telling them, look, you're not capable of doing it. And we've given them a little bit of the autonomy to maybe do two things. And now we'll just take the autonomy away from them and get them. Once you're in a certain area of the pitch, we'll accept a little bit of imagination. We'll accept a little bit of um, uh, fluency, if you like. But from certain areas of the pitch, we've got to protect the goal. We've got to protect the areas that are important. Uh, channel balls in behind. We've got to make sure we make quicker decisions when, when we're defending. Uh, you know, and just just be more pragmatic. Just just make it more difficult to beat. And if we can make ourselves more difficult to beat, people grow in confidence, we might get a goal in front. And then we've got something to cling on to. Rather, at the moment, all the games I'm watching, um, I don't get to watch all of them, but all the games I am watching, we are actually getting ourselves a goal behind and then, and then having to climb a mountain, if you like. He just can't keep continuing that way, and hopefully the, the players will take on board what 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 the staff say and what what we're trying to say. Look, the, I've got to be honest with you. There's not a bad person in the group, as Agreed. in I I don't like him. I think he's mm-hmm. since he's a pain in the ass. It's every single one of them players in there that I like, mm-hmm. and, and and that's quite a rare thing to say from a coach and from a person. The recruitment side of what Joe's done, he's he's recruited the right types, in my opinion. And the one bit that's let themselves let, let them down is is the psychological corner. You know, stop. We've got to stop making mistakes, and we've got to make sure we, when we do make your mistake, we're 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 in a positive position to do it. Look, you can make a mistake when you're four nil up, and who cares? No mm-hmm. one cares. But we keep making early mistakes. We keep giving opportunities to the opposition, and like. I think yesterday, two 0 down, and then, then you know, we don't, we then have an opportunity, and we don't punish the opposition when we could have done. And we're sitting there thinking, well, we're still two 0 down, so we go in at half time, two 0 down, and we have to keep changing things to try and get them out of, out of the hole when we shouldn't really be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. Play properly, play effectively, do do the do the basic things well, and everything else will take care of itself. And we haven't done that well enough in the last couple of weeks. Having said that, I thought we played all right on Tuesday when we played against AFC. I thought it was a, um, a it was really great. Game. I thought I we deserved something game. out of that game, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think it was a game that was played in the right spirit. Mm-hmm. Played well. They had some good players. We we played quite well. We showed that we we could play, and um, and that's the bit that disappoints you that you didn't take all the good points from that. On the Tuesday into the Sunday, and um, I just have, I just, I don't know what the right word is really, Andy, but like, without sounding disrespectful, but like, without really putting them under more pressure when mm-hmm. we're the home side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing with us is as well when we play football in the right areas, I haven't seen many better footballing teams in our league. You know, I've, I've been to pretty much, I think I've been to all the games actually, um, maybe bar the Crawley game at home in the cup. But when we play football in the right areas. We are a very, very good football team. It's just sometimes, and like yesterday was the case in point, 
not we are trying to play football in the wrong areas. Like you were saying earlier, like Joe says, you know, you, you want to play football in the right areas. You want to get teams turned. You want to get them where you can hurt them. You want to get the ball to Tolu's feet. You want to get Rory coming down maybe from when he goes forward. There's not many better. He's a good, good player when he goes forward. Same for Ethan when he plays out there. Same for Terence when he plays out there. When we play football in the right areas, we are a very good football team. For me, as a fan and just someone that's watched a lot of non-league football, and you know, my my opinion ain't it's just where I'm just another football fan talking an opinion. We just try to play football at the wrong times for me. And we need to cut that out. Once you cut that out and get into back playing football in the right areas at the right times, I think we are one of the best teams in this league. It's all right saying that, it's different doing it, right, Lee? Well, yeah, agreed. I mean, what's it? Brian Clough's uh, one of quotes was, you know, we're good. We've got a good team on paper, but the trouble is, you don't you don't play the game on paper. You play it on grass. I mean, that's a that's a uh, quite an obvious statement, but that's the fact. I mean, I I don't think what we've got to try and get the players to realise is we we're not saying just smash it and boot it. Like mm-hmm. I was exaggerated when I said pick the Peter Kay advert. But like what we've got to do is realise there's times to play and there's times not to play. 100%. You know, when you when you've got composed possession, then you might be able to recycle the ball and play there. And if, if we're three 0 up, well, all right, fine, you can do that because the opposition and then got to chase you. But when we're under immense pressure and when you're being put under pressure and when they're shutting you down and when they do, just do the simple things properly. And that's all all you need to do. And I think that's going to be the message that's going to be moving forward from next week's session. From some of the coaches is like it's going to be a non-negotiable. We're gonna we're gonna have to make sure we go back to basics and learn how to defend properly and, and play properly, and don't don't give the opportunities to the, to the opposition to get themselves in front because as soon as they get themselves in front, you know as well as is anything, they've got something to hang on to. They then mm-hmm. drop. Then we've got to now try and get something out of the game, and, and that becomes more difficult. So, so no, let's put ourselves in a better place throughout the game. Uh, and keep the keep keep the goals away. I mean, we've played some games when, like the first game of the season, we win two 0 and it was based on a real, real solid defensive performance from the goalkeeper, from the from the back three, from the, from when we play when we go to back fours. Everyone's done their jobs, and one nils. It wasn't when we were one nil. I don't think before we one nil. At the end of the, and everyone does. Forget. No, no one ever says on oh, when I look at any um any record book. Yeah, you 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 won one nil and you passed it through the third. You don't. It doesn't say that. All it says is one nil. Yeah, and all anyone's really points. interested. All anyone's interested is is the result. Mm. And you know, I would love to come and say to you, sit there and go, oh yeah, we got real love and stuff. And we won four five nil. But we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're playing some bits that are nice. But lose it, mm-hmm. and we that that's driving me mad, driving the manager mad, driving Gertz mad, driving us all mad. It's driving all everyone, it's, and it's got to be driving the supporters mad. It's the committee, and it's and it's something that we've got to address, and it's our job to address. But the thing is, and I honestly believe it, this, it's not like we're asking too much from the players because it's well within their capabilities of doing that, because we've done that up until. To the Leighton game, we up, up until we, well, after we beat Leighton, we we've been on a little dip since the Leighton game, mm-hmm. and up until then, I'm thinking, yeah, we look we look solid, we look proper, we, we're going to go a long way. And now, I, now I question myself. 
questioning myself whether what I'm seeing early on in the season we can get back to uh, moving forward. Yeah. Hopefully we will. Hopefully we will. And well, let's be honest, we got to. If we don't, then we'll be sitting in mid-table because we've, we've, we've not picked up enough results in November and we've already had a bad start to December. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you say, we, you know, there's a lot of games coming up. Like Joe said earlier, yesterday, still like 75 points or something to play for. And, you know, if there's any coaching team or group of players that I would entrust to do it, mate, it's definitely you guys. I mean, this isn't me sitting here slagging anyone off or saying blips happen in football. Happens in from the Premier League all the way down. You know what I mean? Jesus, Lee, I'm a Tottenham fan. I've known blips my whole life. It's all I've ever known, mate. But um, yeah, you know, I've got every faith in Joe, you, uh, all the coaching team, all the players, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen them do it. I know they can do it. It, it, it is just it's a blip in football. It happens. It's how you respond. I always find in football and in life, it's how you respond to these things. It's how you come back. Because at the minute, we've got everyone saying stuff about us and there's this, this, that. And that. Just concentrate on the football and things will turn around, Lee. Trust me. I know, I know it for a fact, mate. But Lee, obviously, we see you in the dugouts uh, in the, most weekends at Dunstable Town. But this isn't your first time at Dunstable Town, my friend. How did uh, the mighty Dunstable Town come into your life? Uh, well... I could go back quite a long time. I had a, had a few games uh, where I played for them. Um, um, I'm going back in quite a few years. It would have been in the early 80s. Uh, I was living in digs in Slough, um, Monday to Friday, and then at weekends I was back in, in Luton. I shared a house with uh, two two people who were both Dunstable Town players, uh, a, a lad called John Mawinney and um, uh, Lawrence Coyne. We, we the three of us shared a house. So I'd go off on, on a Monday, come back on a Friday. I was playing for Vauxhall Motors then. Um, and they were playing for Dunstable. Uh, and the reason why I was playing for Vauxhall Motors really was because I couldn't play play midweek because I was living away. So I sit. I remember sitting in digs one time and uh, get a knock on my, where I was in a, like a dormitory, if you like. I opened the door and there's Lawrence Coyne there. He says, I said, what are you doing here? I thought you was playing uh, Basingstoke tonight. He goes, yeah, we are. You're playing. Because I, I ain't signed on. And he goes, well, that don't matter. You'll play under someone else's name. I said, well, I ain't got no boots. What size are you? He goes, come on, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only five foot three. I said, Who's going to have a pair of boots my size? <laughs> and he's gone, well, what are you, five? Five and a half? I went, yeah, five, five and a half. Yeah, that's my size. I've, you, I've got a spare pair of boots. You can play in me Copper Mondales and I'll play in me World Cups. So I then jump on the coach and drive all the way down to Basingstoke from Slough which is on the way. That's why they probably come in there and, and play, a, play a game for a danceable illegally. So that was my first association with them. <laughs> you played uh, under someone else's name. Yeah, played under some, someone else's name. And we had to try and work out who was the shortest player in, in, in their squad to make sure I, it wasn't too obvious. I mean, I couldn't have been... Couldn't Six foot centre-half. Yeah. Six foot centre-half, like, and I'm playing in midfield and I go, oh, he's shrunk. Um, so uh, that was my first association. And then later on, uh, my son joined the youth team. Uh, he got he was at Luton as a uh up until he was 16 in the academy. He um got released. Uh, they said he wasn't good enough. So then he went to Dunstable with the youth team. I then started to watch him. Um was friends with the manager at the time, uh called a lad called Gary Worth. He asked me if I would start helping him with the youth team. I didn't really want to. I just wanted to sit and watch some play because I was still coaching and in the academy side uh, at Luton. Um, so, but you get one thing leads to another. He then takes over the reserves. He then goes with the first team and then had, had no one to manage the reserves. So I I started managing reserves. 
and Gary Levy was my uh, my assistant when, when I was managing the reserve side. Uh, we won the league that year. Uh, started off um, five games into the season. We were bottom and we went from bottom of the league and we didn't lose another game in the league until until we until we won the league. And then because of the success, obviously, running the reserves, they um, there was a disagreement with the manager. I can't remember his name. Darren Ferretti, I think his name was. He he left and they um they offered me the job as the first team manager. So I took over as first team manager um on that basis really. And that was a a difficult season. Really um hard, but so enjoyable. Yeah, you know, when when things are when you win games, it, you know it's it's a fantastic environment. When you when things ain't going well, it is really difficult as a coach, as a manager, to take things on the chin. Um, one of the games we had, I think, we played uh, in it um, in the FA Cup. We absolutely uh, smashed a team in there that were just outside the conference. Six one, we had a little bit of luck. Uh, they had a player sent off, which enabled us to be at one nil. And then we just went uh, went away from them, really. Um, in my opinion, that season, the best we played all season was Chase Town away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just off the back of um, getting knocked out in the FA Cup, third round of the FA Cup. So they had loads of money, massive support. Um, they, they got knocked out by Cardiff. And then we played them three weeks afterwards oh, with a load of new players running around where they've got all this money and impetus. And, and we beat them 4-2. Uh, and so that was my early memories of it. Um, I remember the clubhouse uh, falling down. My daughter still badgered me. She was supposed to have her twenty-first, her eighteenth there at the time, uh, and um, uh, all she was worried about when the roof fell in on the clubhouse is, oh, well, I'm going to have my eighteenth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, and my saying, well, she's not thinking. What about all the people that could have been inside, and they weren't inside because we because the roof went in before. Yeah, we got, where's my birthday got, party happening? Yeah, um, we had we had people on the roof. We had players down there sweeping snow off the roof. Oh wow! And how you know you just think go back to them them days and and then they rebuilt and done some stuff to the to uh to the clubhouse. I went because I'm a decorator by trade. I ended up decorating the whole of the new clubhouse for free as you do uh so that's my my early associations uh with them and then uh i left uh there when i took over as manager Olsey. they had a massive uh increase of money they had an investment put in there so people that were putting the investment in asked me to go there and manage the team and i accepted the offer and that's so that so that's that's probably 15 16 years ago uh and then with Joe coming back, the only reason why I help out is because, if I'm honest, it's because Joe's there at the moment. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like, how did you and Joe? Obviously, Joe's mentioned you to me many times. I've been very fortunate enough to chat to you and kind of get to know you over the last six to uh, six to eight months, up to a year. How did yeah. you and Joe Dini first cross paths? And has he always been the crazy man that we love and lo- really love now? He's, I've got uh, Lee. I've got friends that only come to our games to see him. We if we don't get a GoPro put on that man soon and make a fortune on YouTube, then we, we're missing the trick, here, Lee. Yeah. Well, my first association with him is um, is like what we we just spoke about off air. Really, um, I was the under I, my first job um, 
uh, coaching-wise, as in the academy system at Luton, was I was coaching the under-13s. Mm-hmm. That's my first my first role. Uh, and we had three centres. We had one at Milton Keynes, one at Greenwich, and obviously we had one in Luton. And um, they go through the winter. Uh, so uh, Joe would have been an under-12. So I, I haven't seen him cl- uh, seen him train or play. But you've seen um, him with hair. Seen him with hair, yeah, little nice look. But I've got pictures if you want. If you oh, want pictures, please, Lee, I them. beg you yeah, to put I'm, them up at the Christmas party. Uh, well, I might not put them up yet because <laughs> I might be too close with them. I might get yeah. um, so that was my first association. So when we on the pre-season, we trained at the time up at Luton Rugby Club. Uh, so that was a, my, my tra- first training session with them as a group. And they got told I was going to be the manager, their manager for the season. The first time I met Joe, and then all the little sessions I put on, I'm walking away. He's catching, he's catching material all day long. So that was my first association with him. He was the only player that um, I could go to speak to uh, at such an early age, really, and say, look, the boys ain't tidying up the change rooms. I'm doing this, get it sorted. Can you get that sorted? And, and once he'd done it two or three times, I used to just go, right, I've got a problem with the nets not being, uh, corner flags not being put out, the change rooms not being cleaned, so, you know, pack the kit back so the kit man, when they wash it, when it gets washed, it's done, you know, so it's nice and easy for them, all, all done in order, everything, all them little things. He, he used to just take care of that. And we at the time, we went we went over from uh, Ignald High School to a school in Letchworth called St Christopher's, and it tended to, Flood a little bit when when the showers went, and I used to just go like that, and I was just go get that sorted, and he'd go right, okay, and he and he'd either do it himself or he get or he get a couple of people to help him and make sure it's all uh, swept and cleaned before we used to leave that, and then uh, he jumped up age groups uh, for a couple of years. I, I was around him with the training because I used to go up and watch him. Uh, help with some of the other age groups, and then we then I then coached him again as a sixteen year old because he come into my my domain. By then I'd worked my way into be the under sixteens coach at Luton, and he was in that. And um, I'd get him most Sundays because we played Sundays then, so he played Saturdays for the eighteens, stroke nineteens as they were then. Um, he'd be in the team, out of the team, and he'd come on a sub and all that. And then and we monitor his playing time, but like for all the big games when we played Arsenal's and Chelsea's and all that, like he was always uh, in in the team. So or if we were playing, this time it's down disrespectful. If we were playing Stevenage or someone like that, he, he might play longer in the U team. Mm-hmm. But if we next day we were playing uh, a Tottenham or Chelsea, we would uh, we would make sure that we had all our best players available to give ourselves a realistic chance of doing well in it. I remember him as a 13-year-old when I when we were doing this as a 13-year-old, we went and played Millwall and uh, on arrival, they, uh, their coach got and said, oh, by the way, he's 13. And I didn't even notice it because we were flustered. We were trying to get around to Millwall and it's a nightmare to, nightmare to place. And, and, and I turned around and looked and I just thought, oh, my God, he was an absolute monster. <laughs> and then we played the game and we got, we got beat nine nine nil. He scored seven. Oh wow! Um, and like, and it's the first time Joe has really, really struggled uh, to to deal with it. But if fair play to fair play to him, he was the only one in the group that go round trying to compete with him from the first minute to the end end of the game. And it turns out the, the boy wasn't thirteen. He he got 
when he come from uh, abroad, he got uh, he did a test and they did it on his what on his academic rather than his uh, biological term. It turns out he was four years older, so he was really a sixteen playing in an under thirteens. Oh wow! In the group, so so you could see why the uh, there was a little problem with some of the players because we were quite a small group at the time physically, and we only had two players that were anywhere near the physical capabilities of him and, and, they, and, they, and he was still four years old and that's why he scored seven so that's my early days and then obviously I left um, the academy system, went into um, first team management with Dunsville and Arlesey Town and I got offered to go back to Luton as head of coaching and that's when we went and gone full circle now now Joe's one of the main coaches Listen, he, he helped me through uh, my early journey of computers, his paperwork, that, showed me how to do this, showed me how to do that because he'd already been in the system a little bit longer. And we um, grew a, another bond, really, as a as two coaches, really. And, and he's he's helped me quite a lot in, in that, that journey and my roles at Luton Town. Wow, that's brilliant, man. I mean, it's, it's good to see how things come full circle. I mean, you know, I mean, it must be very good for you to see like the young 13 year old lad you as a player now in the in the dugout, uh, doing really well doing, you know, we, we've had a little blip recently, but it's night and day compared to when I started watching Dunstable. And even before I was really involved, I've always used to watch Dunstable. And, you know, I spoke to, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to do these the, the sponsored walks with Scotty and, and Dino and Liam and all the lads recently. And even they're saying to me, it's literally night and day the way these football clubs run, Lee. So that's testament to Joe, testament to you, mate, testament to everything that's going on, you know. I've got a few little stories about Scotty because when I was the, uh, was the manager, he was a club secretary. Oh yeah, I've heard about him getting kicked out yeah. of referees' rooms and everything. Oh, um, um, unbelievable! Like so, so funny. And like it was like it was almost like um something out of some sketches out of Only Fools and Horsemen going on at the time. And it, you know, I mean, we had Pipe Man driving a minibus that kept breaking down. Uh, we had me and me and Gary would travel the games. They would go in in the um in the minibus, and we get there, we wait, and we go. Please don't break down. Please don't break down. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was so much of it was like a comedy, comedy show. I mean, we, everyone's decorating the change rooms. Everyone's cutting the grass. We had the chairman. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, from, from where it is then to where it is now with the committee and, and how good the committee is, uh, is, is almost like, not, and I'm not saying that the committee was poor then because they, they, every, every single one of them had their part in the right, in the right way. But like, you can see the structure of it and the thinking of it and what they're doing with with it is a lot more um, calculated and a lot more um, more educated, if you like. I mean, some of the people that have been on your podcast and some of the, what I've listened to just shows you they, 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 they're very educated people. Uh, they've got good business awareness. And, um, you know, the, the only downside for me is we don't get the proceeds from the bar. We don't, you know, they, they, they're, they're small things, but... We haven't got a clubhouse where we can put functions on. They're all things that um, we used to have that we don't have, have now. So there's always a trade-off with nice ground, with nice changing rooms, and with, with being in a community club. But that's, that's the trade-off that we now only get the gate seats as opposed to anything else that helps, helps it put investment into the club. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I know finishing up, I know speaking to like Julian and Matt and Andrew, hopefully that's something that you never know down the road that they can negotiate with the with the council. Just before we finish that, I hope, uh, obviously, Andrew, all the best for him. Um, he gets well soon. I mean, we, 
I know I've definitely missed not seeing his happy face around 100%. the games that I'm at. So hopefully he, he, uh, I get well soon from from me personally to An uh, Andrew. Like it, it'd be really brilliant to see that hopefully we see him sooner rather than later. Yeah, hundred percently. I echo that, mate. It'd be, and I speak to Andrew by text. He sends some amazing comments about the podcast. But yeah, just wishing Andrew all the health. It'll be good to have him back down the uh, down Creasy Park. I think where our next home game is the twenty seventh against Crawley. Um, but Lee, it's been great having you on the pod, mate. It's a uh, it's a little blip in the season, Lee. We've been there many, you know, football coaches and fans. We've all been there, mate. It will turn around. We uh we travel to Biggles Way away this Saturday, my friend. But uh, it's been good having you on, mate. Keep up the good work, and, mate. Andrew, I've, I've I've been coming up with all these ideas. You're going to ask me a stupid question. I, 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 I'm getting to that. I'm getting oh, to it. Getting to that. Oh, is that the literally going to end I've, it? I've got it. my my best eleven down here, and um, I, unfortunately, and you're not in it. Um, I'm so, not in your uh, best eleven. Yeah, Harry Beaumont's not in it, nor is Conicals. I'll tell you, what, all, the, all the ones have done the podcast, none of them are in it. So uh, I haven't even made the bench. Um, yeah, you, I'll let you. Oh, thanks, there. mate. Cheers. Yeah. I'll have a little run out. My question to you, Lee, was: If you and Joe have got to be played in a movie, who's playing you and why? Well, we've got to be <laughs> Danny DeVito. It's got to be the Danny DeVito <laughs> twins, isn't it? It's quite obvious. There is a, there is a. Um, my daughter has actually sent out a, a little thing where she's cut, cut the heads off. You think I don't? We've got one of me and one of him uh, standing next to each other. Um, so it'd be uh, the Devita twins, wouldn't it? So, yeah, well, I just I always thought if Grant and Phil ever come back to EastEnders and can't make it, mate, you know, and we could just say Phil shrunk a little bit, it could be you uh, and you and Joe. Well, or the other ones could be out of the only the two out of only fools and horses. <laughs> the Driscoll uh, brothers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one is me and which one's Joe. I'm, I'm still trying to work that one out. Uh, yeah, I, I think you've got to be Danny, mate. I think you've got to be Danny Driscoll. But Lee, it's been brilliant having you on the podcast, mate. It's good to be chewing the fat. I wish you well for the rest of the season, mate. I know you're a busy man with Luton and Dunstable, but I appreciate. I know all the fans and you know I know all the board members appreciate all the time and effort you put into the club, mate. So thanks for what you're doing for the club, mate. And I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Talk of the Town podcast. We will be back next Sunday. We're in the Biggles Way Town game. Till then, everybody, up the blues. <laughs>